God's kingdom does not operate like the kingdoms of this world. It is much better. We get an important glimpse into its character in Mary herself. God treats this girl with respect and dignity, and he then turns around and uses her to teach us. We learn that the kingdom of Jesus does not operate the same way that our world operates, even to this day. Welcome to the Sand Hills Lutheran Ministry Podcast. I am Pastor John Edding. The theme of this sermon on the fourth Sunday of Advent is God's Kingdom. This is a sermon on Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. Thanks be to God. Let's get to the sermon. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. O come, O come, Emmanuel, indeed. Today, this gospel reading of the fourth Sunday of Advent records for us the song of Mary of Nazareth, the peasant girl who gave birth to the Christ child this Christmas, that first Christmas. It is the first Christmas song of sorts, and I read the extended version of the gospel, so I invite you to, and it wasn't on the bullet, back of the bulletin, so I invite you to turn to Luke 1 in the Pew Bible or your own Bible if you would like to follow along, and we'll work our way through that, really, that first Christmas song. And the child who grows in her womb is the Christ. The song that uh, you, you will sing today, Christmas Eve, and those of tomorrow, and the days which follow are really an echo of this song, sung by a humble girl, an otherwise unremarkable girl, a young woman. God honored her, and so should we. As she notes, all generations will call her blessed, and we do. And she bore the Christ, the promised Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of the Cosmos, Let's sing with her today. So most commentators say that Mary was probably 14 or 15 years old, a virgin. She was already engaged to Joseph, who was of the house of David, we read. With these words, of the house of David, we get a sense that God has been at work according to his word. A little context is needed. The angel Gabriel sent from God announced to Mary that she would conceive, and this is in verse 31. So if you look a little bit before our text, Mary would conceive, bear a son, and call his name Jesus. And then verses 32 through 33, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. These are incredible words of promise. As Mary considered these words, she asked, how is this possible? How could they be fulfilled? Because she is a virgin. She was only engaged to Joseph, and that did not allow for any marital relations whereby a child might be conceived. But the angel, Gabriel, reassured her. She would miraculously conceive, and that the child to be born would be called holy. 
the Son of God. The angel assured Mary that according to God's word of promise, her cousin, her older cousin, Elizabeth, would, uh, who was already six, um, uh, six months along in her pregnancy, be involved in this plan of salvation, God's plan of uh, salvation. So as with Elizabeth, so also with Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. God's word is good. Uh, he would do what he said he'd do, and he would do it because he gave his word. So Mary responds in faith in verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So Mary had asked Gabriel for a sign. A sign uh, given was that her elderly cousin was pregnant. So she headed down the road to check it out. And it was true. But Luke has a marvelous little bit of the story to tell here. The, the child in Elizabeth's womb, six months along, leaps at the presence of Christ, and the women who are filled with the Holy Spirit interpret this event. Elizabeth calls her blessed and wonders that the mother of her Lord should visit. In the ancient world, this sounds much odder than to our ears. For an elderly person to say that a child not yet born is her Lord or master is almost unthinkable. We run into the same sort of thing in, in Jesus' discussion during the Holy Week uh, when Jesus noticed that David in Matthew, and this is from Matthew 22, Jesus noticed that David calls this son of David Lord. So no one can answer him then. And Elizabeth calls this unborn child, barely weeks along at this point, her Lord. You know, our ears are so used to hearing this, we don't get the shock. But, and we are so accustomed to hearing that Jesus is the Lord of the universe uh, that the idea, this, this, this really does not register with us anymore. But if we cannot be shocked by this, are we really able to hear this as Luke intends? Now to our text, again, verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed are you who believed. Well, this could describe us, right? This could describe every Christian who gathers today, 2,000 and more years after the fact. What are we doing here? Is it not faith? Are you and I not blessed as well? And indeed we are. Mary is, is such an interesting character in the first two chapters of Luke's gospel. Uh, Luke has clearly spoken to her. And this is the story of Jesus' birth told through her eyes. Uh, we know that Luke spoke to her because he even keeps the simple Aramaic of her of the language that she spoke. She, he keeps that simple Aramaic, um, the word order, the rhythms and cadences of Mary's own language in here. 
So Luke lets us then see through the eyes of a Jewish peasant girl from a nowhere village called Nazareth. And how does God's kingdom see this world? Well, we see through the eyes, we often see through the eyes of power and money and so on, uh, but is that the best or the most accurate lens for us to see? Mary is visited by an angel, pregnant with a child by the Holy Spirit, greeted by the yet unborn John the Baptist. That might just give us a better lens to view the world as God sees it. What is more, she was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So she responds with these familiar words of the Magnificat, her song, patterned after the song in the, the Old Testament, Hannah, Moses, other writers of the Old Testament. Her theme is the Great Reversal. I would put that in capitals. Great Reversal. That's the hallmark of the kingdom of God. The poor are lifted up, the mighty are brought low. And this is all because of God's promise. And now she's this humble peasant girl of Judea, ever after to be called blessed. So Mary's words, such as this, he has filled the hungry with good. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. You know, Mary's words give those who seek earthly solutions a reason to pause and reconsider. Mary's words sound a little like socialism, but is she truly a socialist? Hardly. (laughs) She's seeing another kingdom, God's kingdom, not some utopian socialist paradise. She sees a place where people are different, not simply people arranged into different power structures but and then still remain the same sinful people. But Jesus is not doing that, arranging people into different power structures and then leaving them in their sinful state. The gospel changes people. Remember that prediction by John that he, Jesus, will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. That fire purges and the Spirit sanctifies the people whom Jesus calls. And so Mary, being a teenage, unmarried, poor, pregnant girl of the first century, was on the very bottom of the socioeconomic and power structures of her day. She sees the wealthy and the powerful sent away empty and the poor filled with good things. She is poor and she has been filled with the very Christ. This again, it's called the great reversal the hallmark of the kingdom of God. Does not Jesus do this very thing? He does not collect the wealthy to be his disciples. He collects fishermen. And when the rich young ruler comes to be assured that he is blessed by God, Jesus tells him, sell it all. He leaves sad, empty, because he has great wealth. He cannot bear to part with it. So what do we expect? What are you waiting for? Mary's words are often echoed in the, the rhetoric of this world, but there's so much more in here. Notice that God is wedded power and love together. It's not power for its own sake. It's the power for the sake of love and care. God has looked upon his servant, a peasant, teenage girl, and that in itself is very interesting. And... 
One thing that we need to remember in Luke 1 is this, and consider, a mighty angel of heaven has come, announced God's plan, listened to her question, answered it, and then waited for her agreement. God's kingdom does not operate like the kingdoms of this world. It is much better, and we get an important glimpse into its character in Mary herself. God treats this girl with dignity and respect. He then turns around, and then he uses her to teach us. The Magnificat, the song which we read, and I pray that we'll sing the last hymn of the, of the service, has been part of the evening service of the prayer in monasteries for thousand, uh, over a thousand years. Some of the greatest theologians who ever lived have been taught by Mary's words. Should we disregard them? The, the words of a teenage girl. Luther sang these words every day in the monastery. Thomas Aquinas, uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, countless others. They meditated upon them. Christ spoke to them through these words. And they listened to her. The kingdom of Jesus does not operate the same way that our world operates even to this day. God's character and power are incorruptible. Jesus does not fail. The one who commands is also the one who loves. The king in this kingdom has holes in his hands and feet where he died for the littlest, the least, and the humble, of his, the most humble of his subjects. This is a different kingdom indeed. Your praises, remember three weeks ago, your praises have been honored by Jesus. If they did not sing, the stones would cry out. Your works of mercy and the kindness have been seen by God, and this is John's admonition in week two, Advent two. You have been made greater than all the prophets of old. Jesus' assessment of John in week three, last Sunday, we heard this. Mary is simply summing up the whole Adventite when she sings that God has fed the humble poor and turned the rich away. And finally, we read verse 56, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. And Mary remains with Elizabeth for three months until the time of John's delivery. And she was there to see Zachariah's tongue loosened once more and to hear his song of praise as well. Long ago, in a little place somewhere in Judea, a young woman was told that she would bear the solution to a fallen people in a fallen creation. And when she got confirmation that the promise was true, she sang a song about God reversing everything. And that girl was Mary. That child was Jesus. God has remembered his mercy and raised up his people. The mighty are cast down. The downcast are lifted high. It is all God's doing. Jesus comes. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Like Mary pregnant with this miracle baby, we are looking forward to something beautiful. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.